Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. This is April 4th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by A Curious Future. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, every sunset is an opportunity to reset. Every sunrise begins with new eyes by Richie Norton. So what are we drinking today? I am drinking lemon, uh, lemon spell, freezer spell, which is like a lemon green tea. It's very wonderful. I'm going to take a sip. Mm. It has a green tea base with wonderful like vanilla cream, um, lemon flavors. The cream flavor is a blend of oils. So it is vegan friendly, non-dairy. Um, and it's one of my favorite Tease, but I like forget about it. I forget it exists, which feels so silly. So we are talking about apples this week because apples is what brings a lot of the sweetness to the tea, which makes it taste like lemon meringue pie because just green tea and lemon, it would just taste like lemon green tea. But then you add sweetness and it's like, oh, pie, you know? So we are talking about apples And this comes to us from southernkitchen.com. So we're going to talk about the culinary uses of apples. Okay, so um, what's really funny about this is someone just told me today that they associate me with pies. And I think that's really nice. (laughs) But this article starts with, you find an amazing pie recipe and you follow the directions to the letter. Your house smells amazing and you can't wait to take your dessert out of the oven and devour it. Only once your culinary masterpiece is finished baking, the apple slices you painstakingly cut to perfection have all turned into something best described as a mushy pulp. Selecting the right apples for this job is half the battle. Currently, there are over 2,500 varieties of apples grown in the United States. That makes for a lot of different textures and flavors. Knowing which apples are best for pies, sauces, savory dishes will go a long way in making your baking life easier. So let's talk about um, like which apples to get. So baking. If you're planning on using apples in a pie or tart, you're going to want an apple that will hold its shape and not become a mushy mess in the oven. So the most widely available and widely used apple is the Granny Smith. It's tart, it has crunch, it's firm. This apple not only holds its shape, but keeps its texture, which makes it a apple baker's favorite uh, ingredient. But there's no reason not to branch out. So if you are not into Granny Smith or you want to try something different, you could use Honey Crisp, which is personally my favorite. You can use the Pink Lady or the Jungle Golds. Okay, so let's say you want to make applesauce. Let's say you have a little one, you'd love to make applesauce. So um, basically applesauce is delicious and healthy and easy to make 
and you can enjoy it at any age. Picking the perfect apples to make applesauce means considering a variety of factors. However, the most important is that the apples in question be cooked down enough to lose their shape. No one wants crunchy applesauce. So in terms of selecting apples with different flavor profiles, you want to make sure you pick one that is just right. So for applesauce, you want to either use a Macintosh, a Bra Burn, and either of those will cook down and give you that kind of texture that you want for applesauce. Now, let's say you aren't making a pie, you're not making applesauce, but you're doing like something savory. Like I love apples and pork chops. So apples are classic additions to fall dishes like stuffing, Brussels sprouts, and pork. They add a sweet element that often plays out nicely with whatever savory ingredients you're serving. Depending on what you're cooking, there is certainly an apple that would work best for the occasion. So for kind of a savory dishes, you want to use Fuji, Gala, or Wine Sip. So yeah, get baking, get cooking, and have a good time. All right, witches, moving into some headlines. This comes to us from nationalgeographic.com. Paganism is on the rise. Here's where to discover its traditions. So I love this. Uh, I just booked a trip for 2025. And um, I kind of have this just like travel bug right now. Now that I have a trip planned, I'm like making a list of all the places I ever want to go. So I like this. So if you are someone who likes to travel or you are a travel bug, and you want to explore like pagan locations, I thought this article would be super cool. So centuries ago, ancient Celts traveled windy moors to worship the horned god. Ancient Egyptians crossed deserts to invoke the protection of Isis. Druids journeyed to the forest clearing to perform rituals under the moon. But over time, such deities faded into myth and the rituals went underground. Recently, however, a resurgence of interest in pagan practices, crystals, tarot cards, astrology, herbal magic, has brought paganism from the fringes back to the center of pop culture, or at least like TikTok. So at least 1.5 million people in the U.S. identify as pagans, and that is up from only 134,000 into uh, 2001. So that's really cool. So like, let's say you're like, oh, I want to go places. Where do I go? So there's a few different places you can go to experience pagan culture. First um, is Salem. In Salem, pagans observe the holidays with festivals, dancing, nature walks, and honoring their ancestors. Visitors can attend the official Salem Witches Ball to witness uh, ceremonies, dancing, spellcasting, and other rituals. Let's see. You can go to Asheville. Travelers can visit Mother Grove Goddess Temple near downtown Asheville to join in public rituals during the ancient holy days. Okay, where else? They're really focusing on Salem. Oh, here we go, California. Um, you can go to Southern California. Pacific Circle Revival hosts a community retreat where campers unplug and connect with Earth through spiritual rituals and educational workshops. Then there is Sedona, a city known for its vortexes and sites of spiraling energy. It's the spiritual activities that draw thousands of tourists to Red Rocks annually. 
I mean, of course, we have New Orleans. Hello. Come to New Orleans. Um, I'm not going to lie. This article I found, um, I find this article to be very lacking. I thought we were going to get things like visit um, Stonehenge or um, like other really cool places of magical importance. So I'm actually really disappointed that it, this kind of just felt like an advertisement for festivals people are ticketing. I don't know. Boo National Geographic. .com. All right, witches, I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Tuesday, April 4th. The waxing gibbous moon continues to paint by numbers in Virgo today. Here, the moon trines Venus and opposes Neptune. Connections to these planets gives the moon a nice buzzy vibe. The opposition to Neptune can make it hard for us to get motivated. The trine to Venus says that even if we can manage to get ourselves motivated, the only thing that gets us going is something of the pleasurable persuasion. Maybe a nice warm bath or an indulgent meal, a terry cloth robe or a trip to the nail salon. This day is built for relaxing and moving in slow motion. Any attempt to do otherwise will result in a whole lot of resistance. Your daily moon mantra is, treat yourself. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Humans have been obsessed with predicting the future ever since the dawn of civilization. We've watched the stars, gazed into crystal balls, thrown bones, red cards, and more, all in an effort to better understand ourselves and our place in this magical world. A Curious Future is your guidebook to a variety of divination practices. Did you know that you can divine with wine? Or that a simple pair of dice can give you prophetic insight? This book will help you predict the future through a variety of insightful and sometimes unusual techniques. A Curious Future by Kiki Dombrowski is available for order online from your local bookshop or wherever books are sold. All right, so we have a question from our listener, Jesse. Jesse says, March always makes me yearn for Ireland. I'd love to hear cool facts about Ireland, Celtic traditions, and their craft and lore. So I love this question. Um, yes, Ireland. My mom, her name is Erin, which is, which means Ireland. So Cool. Let's dig in. So we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about Irish cultural traditions, some weird and wacky traditions, and then we're going to dig into the Celtic traditions. So let's see what we've got here. All right. First off, this comes to us from Ireland Before You Die, top 10 Irish cultural traditions. So first off, um, Irish sports. In Ireland, popular sports account for much of the Irish cultural identity. Most citizens are avid supporters and take great pride in donning national colors and standing abreast with fellow fans on any given match day. 
Then there's the pilgrimage to Croke Patrick, an ancient custom for religious folks. So every year, thousands of people make the arduous journey to the peak of Crog Patrick. This mountain climb, which is in honor of Ireland's patron saint, St. Patrick, takes place annually on the last Saturday of July. Many aspects of Irish identity today are linked to pagan and Christian traditions of ancient Ireland, and this is one of those. Then we have Celtic pagan festivals. Pre-Christianity, the Emerald Isle was a pagan community, and Irish customs reflected this. Paganisms dictated key dates throughout the year. Four events, in particular, divided the seasons. The pagan festival of Embolc marks the beginning of spring, Beltane, summer, Lunasa, autumn, and Samhain, winter. Literature and the arts. So you can't mention Irish traditions without mentioning literature. Ireland is celebrated for its wealth of artists, ranging from the fields of traditional music and film to Irish literature. So um, the most iconic Irish writers are um, W.B. Yeats, Oscar Wilde, Bernard Shaw, Samuel Beckett, and that's just like a few. And then we have Edna O'Brien, Anne Enright, and Sally Rooney. Next, potatoes. Potatoes. Although the potato was imported in the 17th century, it's a symbol of Ireland and its undisputed hospitality. In addition to this, as a staple of the Irish diet, it has been considered the unofficial mascot of the Irish food scene throughout history. Now, mythology. So mythology plays a key role in Irish culture and society. Indeed, Ireland is known as a mystic county laden with uh, legends and tall tales of fairies, leprechauns, and goddesses. Ancient folklore remains today a celebrated aspect of Irish traditions and has emboldened cultural identity throughout history. The beautiful tradition of Irish myths and legends is one of the biggest Irish customs. You guys know how much I love banshees. Um, wait a minute. I think banshees are Scottish. Are they Irish? Oh, no. I don't remember. Um, next, we have dancing. Hello, river dance. So Irish dancing is an age-old art form. However, it was popularized in contemporary culture in the 1990s as a result of shows like Riverdance and Irish Dancer. So there's jigs, reels, step dancing, and uh, Celsi dancing all make up this inherently Irish dancing tradition, and it's a unique form and fashion are known worldwide today, and it is truly one of the top Irish traditions. Next, we have trad music. People travel from far stretches of the globe to visit the Emerald Isle and enjoy trad music and Irish bands, one of the most thrilling traditions in Ireland. Spanning generations, this Irish music genre sees instruments such as the fiddle, piano, and acoustic guitar take center stage. Then, of course, there's pub culture. So whether you're in the Republic or North Northern Ireland, pub culture is one of the country's defining customs and characteristics. Uh, whether you're in the Republic or Northern Ireland, pub culture is one of the, oh, um, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I just repeated myself. Whether you're in a small town or big city, you'll be spoiled for choice from lively bars to quiet locals. Some of the most authentic local experiences can be held at an Irish pub. And then finally, St. Patrick's Day, which I won't go over because we just talked about it like last month. Okay, so now let's go over some weird traditions. We went over some, like, the, you know, the ones you'll see on, like, the travel site. Let's go over some funky ones. So there's something called um, farming. 
So people have been skillfully farming in Ireland since the Neolithic period. And that's like 6,000 years ago. So there are these fields that is the most extensive Neolithic site on the uh, island of Ireland. And interestingly enough, it is the oldest system um, of fields in the world. And they have photos of like roots and like, oh, they're absolutely gorgeous. Then Halloween. So believe it or not, Halloween originated in ancient Ireland and it all began with the pagan celebration of Samhain, which of course we know. The origins of Halloween date back 2,000 years to the Celts. So, of course, we know kids uh, dress up for trick-or-treating. I mean, not much has really changed. Then there is St. Patrick's Day, which, again, we will not go over. Um, so, we already talked about music. Oh, so slang. Apparently, gob shit means a silly person. <laughs> and then Christmas... Christmas is widely celebrated across the islands of Ireland, um, and they apparently kind of go hard on Christmas. Like, seven to eight weeks, apparently, is, like, when it all kind of begins. And it's just really neat. Oh, and then storytelling. So, one of the most famous Irish traditions resolves around the art of storytelling. Now, back in the day, one could get a full-time job as a storyteller. During medieval times, a bard was a professional storyteller, and the bard was employed by a patron and was tasked with telling tales of the patron's activities. So, yeah, really cool. Now, let's get into Celtic stuff. You asked for Ireland, I'm giving you Ireland. <laughs> Celtic witchcraft. This comes to us from uh, otherworldlyoracle.com. So there's many definitions of Celtic witchcraft. Some people will say you must be born in a Celtic land to practice. Um, but like everyone has their own opinions on that. And like we, you know, we've talked about these things before. But Celtic witchcraft is weaving pagan customs and traditions from Celtic people into one's magical and spiritual practice. There are so many ways to dive deep in the world of Celtic witchcraft, and they would truly take a lifetime to explore all of those ways. But here's a few ways you can practice. One, of course, studying Celtic witchcraft. Immerse yourself in books and the culture and learn about um, the fairy tales, the folklore, the mythology, the history, uh, geography, anthropology. You get it, right? Immerse yourself in the culture. Next, you want to connect with Celtic gods and goddesses. Connect with, um, like, Brigid. Brigid's, like, a really big one. The Morrigan, Rhiannon, um, the Green Man. Connect with these classic Celtic spirits. Next, uh, you can start working with the Fae. Approach fairies and elementals with respect. Uh, they like to be called the good folk. Um, and learn about the Fae and how they work and how you can honor them and how you can work with them. Actually, this just reminds me of something. I'll tell you if we have time at the end. Um, you can find hag stones and, uh, like learn about really kind of these classic, uh, folk traditions and incorporate them into your life with like tree bark, hag stones, uh, seeds, pods, blooms. 
You can cook traditional Celtic meals. So this is really fun. If you're um, in the kitchen, you can make kalkanen, which uh, I've made before, Irish soda bread, smoked salmon, beer, wine, mead. You can really get into these kind of long form ways of uh, appreciating the traditions. Then, of course, we have the festivals, the Wheel of the Year, which is almost entirely based off of Celtic. Um, you can learn about Celtic sacred animals and make altars to them. So we're talking about the boar, the horse, the bear, the wolf, the, ser the serpent, salmon, uh, stag, cows, and you can um, learn about these animals and honor them. You can learn about Irish uh, divination, such as tree ogum. Tree ogum um, essentially is like a tree alphabet, and you use it to divine messages. So there's so many ways to get into Celtic lore if it's something that is interesting to you and something you're curious about. Now, let me share something. Oh, I, I will link to this article in the uh, link tree, witchpod.com. Um, so when I was in high school, there was a book in my school library and it was a book on witchcraft and I devoured it. And like, you know how your memory might not be as good as you think it is? All I remember is I thought it was a pretty banging source on the fay. Like I thought it was to this day, the best, like quick age appropriate rundown of the fay I'd ever seen. I do not know what this book was. I you know, I don't remember its name. I don't remember who wrote it. I don't remember anything about it. And it makes me so sad uh, because I would give anything to have this book, just have a copy of it for like nostalgia's sake. Here's what I think I remember. It was geared towards, I believe, teenagers. I could be wrong. But I believe it was towards teenagers. I think it was peak or pink. It was not Fiona's book. I don't remember people on the book and a lot of the pink teenager witchcraft books I've seen. And I could be wrong. It could have been purple. Like, I don't know. Um, it had a great, it had spells. It, ha it had a great source on the fae. I just remember loving this book. And if anyone knows what I'm talking about, it would be really cool <laughs> if you like could tell me. Anyways. We are wrapping up this episode of The Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Jess Jensen. Jess, you rule-breaking, luminous gnome. Kristen Northcutt. Kristen, you insidious, glowing sunflower. Ashley Solomon. Ashley, you spiffy, sparkling fire dragon. And finally, Molly Higgins. Molly, you brilliant, sweet muskox. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And before we leave today, we do have a card pull from our Buffy Tarot. We have the Six of Stakes. This is the part where you've kicked a vampire in the head and run out, virtue fluttering, and for good reason, you are absolutely killing it. The best part, people are taking notice. If you're sensing extra attention, it's because you've earned it. Your hard work is paying off. You're hitting your targets. And although you still have some work to do, it's important to give yourself a pat on the back. Maybe several pats. A pat buffet. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Quick note, Witchway Magazine Printed Edition Volume 7 Spell Guide is available. Um, so go check that out at witchwaymag.com. And that's it. Um, that's all I've got for you. So we will talk tomorrow. 
I think we have a guest tomorrow. We have a guest tomorrow. And then we will talk again on Thursday. Which is, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter. It should not matter. I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.